Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of my Angular story. This week, we're talking to Ood from Clarity. Do you want to just give a brief introduction, who you are, what you do, all that good stuff, and then we'll dive into your story? Hey, sure. So my name is Ud, and I'm uh, the technical lead for Clarity at VMware. So I spend most of my days actually reviewing code these days, but working on a fairly visible open source project. And, and it's a, both a design system and a component library. So the Angular part is mostly what I'm leading right now. Um, but there are also, you know, icons that are just plain JavaScript as web components and, and nice cool features like that all over the place. So it's a very interesting project. I, I really like working on it. And we keep getting very good feedback, so we're going to keep working on it since the community seems to like it. That's, that's good. Very cool. And uh, you're based out of somewhere in the Northeast, right? Yes, I'm in New York right now. Not New York City anymore, but suburbs. Ah, uh, gotcha. Cool. Well, one of the things that we do on this show is just dive into your story and find out how you got into programming and Angular and all that stuff. And the fact that you work for a fairly large company, we don't get as many people doing these interviews that work at fairly large companies, you know, besides, I guess, people on the Angular core team who work at Google. So yeah, let's, let's dive in. Let's find out about you. So how did you get into programming? Fairly early, uh, around something that would correspond to undergrad in the in the US, uh, I took pretty much computer science classes, very basic ones. And then I started going straight for academia. So it was purely theoretical computer science, uh, nothing to do with programming. I didn't actually really learn to program that much. And then I had to teach a class about, I mean, I had to teach a class during my PhD and I picked the building websites one. So it was pretty basic HTML, CSS, and a little bit of JavaScript. I loved it. I had to learn to teach the class, to be honest. Right. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was interesting, uh, and I loved it. And so I started building my own little PHP and, and JavaScript game that I posted out there for a few months. Didn't pick up that much, but I had a cool experience, and that helped me find a first job with absolutely no experience in programming because I was doing purely theoretical stuff. And... I, because of my background, I was mostly doing Java algorithms, things like that, not UI at all. But I managed to convince my bosses to do prototypes and demonstrators to sell the products. You know, it was a business to business mm -hmm. uh, company startup. So I would build some 
cool little demonstration application uh, in, in as a web app that they would go and present to whatever businesses they want to sell to. And that's exactly when I discovered Angular for nice. quick prototyping. It was Angular 1. I absolutely loved it. It let me go pretty fast. From there, I never looked that much outside of Angular 1. I didn't spend that much time on it either, maybe a couple of years at most. Mm-hmm. And by that time, maybe, yeah, bit more than a couple of years, maybe three. And by that time, Angular 2 was in early beta. Oh, cool. And we started Clarity end of 2015. So it was, I researched React, Ember at the time, uh, Aurelia even, mm-hmm. uh, Angular, a bunch of frameworks. Picked Angular 2 even though it was in beta at the time for many reasons I can go over later. And haven't looked back since. We've been working with Angular since beta and I'm working with that right now. But yeah, for so for the programming part, I don't know. It was just, I knew what I wanted to do Mm-hmm. Made the mistake of going to academia first, but was able since it was computer science. <laughs> since it was computer science, I, I found a way to go back to actual programming pretty fast. So that worked out great. Nice. So you had so your PhD is in computer science. Yes. And yeah, so you picked up this web development class. What was it that was different than what you had been doing before that, that really appealed to you with the web development? Honestly, so. At that point, when I had to pick the class, I think I was already one year in my PhD, and I was starting to get a bit tired of the lack of application or even you know years before anything could be potentially useful uh, part of the theoretical science. So I, I wanted to do something where I could see the results immediately. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like building a website would be one of those things. And you know, it was internet. <laughs> of course, uh, I mean it was it was appealing. I wanted really to try it out, and I think what I really liked about it in the first place when I tried it for the first time was that triple language part, the HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Were whenever you wanted to do one thing, you'd have to find the right place for it, and then that would mean the right language, and suddenly it would be way easier. You wanted to style something, sure, you could try and do it in your HTML but it would be way easier with the CSS. You wanted to build forms that were slightly more dynamic than usual. Well, HTML was fine, but clearly JavaScript was a better tool to do it faster, et cetera. So I really like that. Always try and find the right tool for whatever you want to do at the time. Right. Uh, again, it was very early in my programming experience, so that's what appealed to me. I vaguely knew how to program in Java and C in, in other languages. OCaml a lot, because that's the language we learned. <laughs> because, you know, if you're doing computer th- theoretical computer science, obviously they're not going to teach you a useful language. So <laughs> learn OCaml first. I love it. I still love OCaml as a language, but it's, it's useless. Well, a lot of things are going that direction, though. I mean, there are some ML languages. Yeah. Reason, for example, so, if you're in React and, and some others that... I'm still going to defend tooth and nails that functional programming often is cleaner, better for larger architectures, etc. It still doesn't mean that I think it can work for the overall ecosystem of web programming, uh, mostly because it takes time and effort to get into it, to learn how to do it properly, and poorly done, it can. it's absolutely terrible to maintain. So I think it's cool. I do push everyone on my team to use some cool little, little uh, 
functional features from TypeScript. But yeah, not very useful in the end. Yeah, so it seems like a lot of the functional languages, like even Helm, you know, they give you a lot of guardrails. Then they give you very specific ways of, you know, creating side effects and things like that. So you can kind of break that's out the thing. functional paradigm. If you're, if you're doing an actual functional language, side effects is the devil, is the devil, and you don't want yeah. them, and and you're never going to do them. So I believe even if you look at Elm, I don't think they give you a way to do side effects. You cannot do them in Elm. You can do them in React with RxJS and things like uh, sorry with a uh, uh, Redux and, and other functional yeah. tools, but you won't be able to get any in Elm as far as I know. But yeah, no, what, what I mean by that is, you know, they have some way of calling back to the server, which is technically yeah. speaking a side, oh, yeah. a side effect in that time. yes. And so, so they give you some very specific avenues for doing those kinds of things that you have to do in order to make the program useful. But yeah, other than that, they, they very strictly restrict you in the ways that you can do some of those Yes. So, so you're you're learning OCaml. You're starting to get into web development. You you built a game. What was your game? It was called Jar Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and you were uh, brains in jars. That were the characters. It was a cute little one button game or two buttons game. Uh, I've been thinking about actually picking it up again because it was before iPhones and all that, and um, or early iPhones, and now one or two button games are all the rage on mobile. It's super easy to, to play it, and if you manage to get a little bit of depth in there, then you're, you're golden. And so it was. It had kind of that feeling. The I press one button, and it was all about how long you pressed it. So the controls were super intuitive. If you press it quickly, you do a quick attack. If you press it long, you charge and hit for more. So it was a cute little game. And I think the, the, the one thing I liked about it, and the reason I went with it, is because I didn't know, so Node.js was still, well, Node.js was here, sorry, socket.io was still very young, and I didn't know about it at the time. So I had to do real time for two players, and I didn't know about socket.io. So I had some very interesting techniques I came up with about, instead of doing polling, I would send non-answering Ajax requests. Oh, they would stay there for like 30 seconds. And so as soon as the server answered, you'd get your, ins your answer instantly. And that meant you only had one request over 30 seconds instead of you know one every second to try and keep asking the server, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? You just so sent one. And so it was all long Ajax requests that would take you know maybe a minute sometimes to answer. And then uh, Unix web sockets on the server side between two PHP scripts so that two players would communicate like that. Mm -hmm. It was very fun to build. Actually, surprisingly performant compared to polling, <laughs> because I had a very <laughs> limited budget as a student. Right. Uh, so it was it was very interesting, and actually, I think that's what convinced my. Th that's how I got my first job, showing I could do the, the the crazy ideas, the actual technical implementation, and all that, and get it working. They tried it a little bit, and we're we're pretty pleased with the result. So that's nice. that's how I got it. Yeah. So. Uh... I'd love to dive into why you chose Angular. Oh, sure. Initially, when I learned about Angular itself, I, I didn't know about other frameworks. We're talking early days of, of how I, or my, my early days of programming. And so at the time, I loved it, and I was in a small startup. I didn't have you know, large teams or large companies to work with, and, and, and that was great. Then I got hired by VMware on a team 
that had a legacy backbone product. Uh-huh. And I started working with a larger team within a larger company. Yeah, Backbone and jQuery, like the, 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 the good uh-huh. old... <laughs> just the good old days, yeah. And so I worked with a larger company, large, more people. I say this in, in the most respectful way for VMware. Different levels of people, of course, different levels of technicity, of, of engineering level. And when we, had to, when we decided to create Clarity, we, of course, liked Angular 1. Uh, we actually managed to move some of our old Backbone product to Angular 1 before we left that project. And, and Angular 2 was just coming out. So we decided to look at it. And so we did the comparison, as I said, between you know, React, Aurea, and others. And I do believe that for large companies, you will always want the opinionated, everything comes to like the all-in-one opinionated package for your framework. So... Angular 2 was promising that. It was promising, we'll give you everything, the router, the animations, the, the state management, all that. We'll give you that, the HTTP requests, everything you need in one framework. And we believe there is one way of doing it, and it's the way we're going to tell everyone to do it. So that's what Angular does. It's very opinionated, which yep. some people hate, some people love, and that's generally the main concern with Angular. I'm not saying... If I were to build a startup right now and build a quick project, I would go with Angular because it comes with overhead, because it's so opinionated, because you have to right. do it properly before you can even have a working project. Uh, so React is great for smaller, quick prototyping or, or smaller life cycles uh, of a project. But for large companies building large projects, they expect to build for years. And more importantly, with teams, and if you look at VMware, they have teams in Bulgaria, in India, in China, in the US, all over the place, right? And um, you can't constantly be reviewing, monitoring, writing new code practices and everything for all your projects all the time. So if the frameworks comes with that, then suddenly consistency across a large number of teams and developers is actually less of a concern than before. So that was... If I'm just, let, let's take the React example, what scared us with Clarity if we said, okay, let's go React, is suddenly, and this is on more recent libraries, you'd have people, half the teams at VMware using Redux and half the teams using Mobex. And then suddenly you wouldn't be able to jump from a team to another because they would use different stacks, even though it's all React, right? right. Still, the state management would be completely different on both of them. Uh, sure, Redux re- and Mobex are close enough, but... It could go way crazier than that. Right. I remember a GitHub package about how many ways you have to make an HTTP request with a React project, and they were listing 16 different solutions right. <laughs> that were all viable. It's not something you want in large, in large company, in large enterprise products. So that's why we went with Angular. Aurelia had this Frankenstein monster feeling of a lot of good things together, like Knockout and, and, and okay. Mustache Templating, put everything together but nothing was really written in Aurelia at the time. Yeah, and, and I'm a big fanboy of dependency injection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, Angular is the poster child of that. I do believe it's the one solution for correct state management, modularization, testability, everything is way easier to solve with dependency injection. And Angular is the one framework that provides that easily out of the box. Very cool. So you get into you get into Angular. You're yeah. writing Clarity in Angular. What what parts of Clarity are you most proud of having? If you ask me that, 
a year ago, I have to say the data grid, which I initially wrote myself, it's getting harder and harder to maintain nowadays. And when I look back at my code, I'm really not that proud of it anymore. Right. <laughs> but that's a good sign. I mean, if you're looking back at your code from two years ago and are happy with it, then you didn't progress at all and you stagnated and, and, and right. not doing a great job as a developer. So, <laughs> um, you don't go back and go, dear Lord, what did I do? Yeah, yeah. You should, you should always have that reaction when you look at your old code. Um, and, and I do these days, looking at the data grid, looking at previous um, components I wrote. I think, so here's the thing. I really like writing the reusable pieces. So I'm all about developer experience. Uh -huh. You have user experience, you have customer experience, you have all those. I'm all about developer experience, meaning I want, when we're writing a component in Clarity, I don't just want the end user to be happy with how it it works. I want the developer to be happy with how easy it was to integrate and how customizable it was and all that. So I like I like that aspect and, and I like writing the reusable libraries and I like writing utilities for our project, testable you know, testing utilities and, and uh, positioning utilities and anything like that. So code I'm proud of, I, I'm going to say the testing utilities are up there. It's, it's a, a combination of Jasmine user context and at the time advanced TypeScript features, which are not so advanced anymore. And, and it, it helped us keep our code super dry in terms of testing. We have we're talking, you know, for the data grid, we're talking thousands of unit tests or it's, you know, we have pretty good coverage and it gets very messy when you have to write the entire Angular boilerplate every time. So we, we managed to narrow it down to one line and we just start a unit test with one line, say exactly what we expect from it with the expects in Jasmine and, and be done with it. So that's, that's pretty good. I also... We like a something I call the host wrapping piece of code that we use internally. We don't want to publicize it that much because uh, it, it is a hack. But there's this thing in Angular where, and it's a big request. A lot of people have been asking for this, and the issue was closed, I believe, or maybe it's still open, but it's, it's very old, where you put a directive on something, an element, another component, whatever you want, and often you might want to wrap it. You might want to say, you know, if you put a directive on an input, you might want something around your input, some kind of container to add extra features or, or just styles. It could be anything. And Angular doesn't let you do that for some good reasons. And so I, I went a bit deep into it, and, and we now are able to do this. We're able to, to, to wrap a host component with some code I wrote, and what that gives us is as I was mentioning before for developer experience, it gives us an API that's almost unbeatable. If you think, for instance, the what's the latest example we use it in? Oh, uh, the date picker, you know, the little calendar. You have a date input and you, you want to select a date. Yeah. And if you look at any library out there, you're going to have to put date container and then your input inside of that and add whatever directive they want on the input. And, and, and right. so you have suddenly at least two elements to make it work. and potentially configure. With the Clarity one, all you do is put the input with the date on it, and we'll add the extra wrappers around for you so we can be, you know, display the full calendar and everything you need. So it's very invisible. No one really knows about it unless you actually look at the code. Uh, a lot of people are just surprised by how simple the API is. 
but it's actually a very tricky piece of code that plays with content projection and, and uh, goes right in the correct piece of the lifecycle of the component. Things I, I won't go into too much technical detail, but if you're interested in that, definitely go look at the code in Clarity because it's I really like that that, that code here. Cool. Uh, what what else are you working on these days? So I'm trying to do some more talks. <laughs> I, uh -huh. I don't have much time to do the talks. So I, and Clarity is taking really my full time. So I I don't have time to do anything other than Clarity. Mm -hmm. I am trying to, to do some talks. I I have a family here. I don't want to travel too much. So I am limited in what I can do. So what I'm going for is higher quality talks and just less of them. And, and so far, I, I, for instance, the ng-conf one, I was, it's deeply technical. I wasn't expecting it to have that many views or that many likes, etc. But when I, I, I checked on it fairly recently on the YouTube, because, you know, in case there might be comments and questions about it. And I was surprised to see that the ratio of likes compared to the number of view was way higher than most talks at the conference there. So what I'm learning from this is people did like the quality of the talk, even though not many people were interested in it. A lot of people, the people who were interested in it really liked the quality of the talk. So I'm doing another one for the Angular NYC meetup next month, or yeah, next month, or so in July. <laughs> and, and I'm going to try and do the same. I'm going to spend a lot of time making sure the talk is high quality, I'm going to deliver that talk, and then I'm probably not going to speak at all for the next three to six months again. Uh, <laughs> nice. That, that's, that's really what I'm going for right now. And on the personal side, I'm working on little AI projects that have absolutely nothing to do with, with UI. I just find it deeply interesting. But that's kind of my pattern. I mean, we, I mentioned it before with academia. I, I've been, so I, I'm not, <laughs> I don't have much experience. I've been officially a UI engineer for four years. I've been a Java engineer for two years before that. And when I was doing Java, it was mostly complex algorithms and the Java implementation was the easy part of it. It was more designing the algorithm. So I, I did purely theoretical research and then recommendation algorithms some Java implementation, and then went completely different with UI and OI, like AI, which is again the 90, 90 degrees turn. Mm -hmm. And I tend to do that every few years, no matter what. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm liking your AI right now. Learn TensorFlow, learn a bunch of tools, having a lot of fun with it. Sounds like fun. Yeah, it is. And apply it to games, obviously, because <laughs> that's the funniest, the the, the most fun thing to apply AI to. Yeah. So if people want to see what you're working on these days with AI or UI or so anything else. I don't have anything public for AI. I'm thinking if I can get it working, I have an idea of what I want to do. And at that point, I'll publicize it heavily and it would be on Twitch, <laughs> I guess. But I'm not sure I'll ever have the time to finish what I'm doing. For UI stuff, you can go ahead and look at the Clarity code on GitHub. So just look for VMware Clarity and you'll find it. The VMware Clarity website, of course. And we also have a publication on Medium for Clarity. Mm -hmm. And I try to post frequently. It's not Clarity-related stuff. That's the, the interesting part. It's We had 
a developer who was struggling to do CSS only style, style checkboxes and so researched it for a bit, decided to post his findings on, up there. So if you're doing custom CSS checkboxes, no JavaScript, there's a great blog post about it. So I posted a few things. Right now I'm in a, uh, I said I love dependency injection. I'm, I'm in a trend of blog posts where I try to advocate for better use, use of providers in Angular to use them for your state management and component communication and, and a lot of things. So I'm at two out of, I would say four blog posts on that. The third one should come sometime in August. But yeah, if you look for my name on Medium, you'll find the publication. I have half a dozen blog posts over there and try and post one every couple of months, I would say. Very cool. All right, well, anything else that we should jump on before we go to picks? Don't think so, I think we're good. All right, well, let's do some picks then. Do you have some things you want to shout out about? For you, the listeners of My Angular Story, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Sure. I have a couple. I have a work-related one and a non-work-related one. Which one do you want first? Well, let's get the non-work-related. Yeah, absolutely non-work-related. So back in January, there was a game that trended a little bit on Steam. That's called Slay the Spire. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a little indie game, roguelike, fairly hard. Because, you know, that, that's that's typically what indie roguelikes are. And I don't know, it just, I started playing it one time and then I would not drop it at all for a couple of months. And I just, you know, it's a, new, a little game with no not much money. So I really want to shout out to them because it's a fantastic game that you should at least try. It's, it's not free to play or anything. You have to buy it. It's not very expensive. And, and then you, you get it. Just you don't have to pay anything anymore after this, but it's a roguelike where you build your a deck of cards progressively. So you start with a very bad deck, and as you move forward, you can add or remove cards, and and then at the end you end up with a ridiculous deck. And to any engineers out there, the fun part is trying to build the most broken combos you can in there, mm-hmm. and it's very enjoyable to suddenly start looping infinitely through your cards and, and, and produce ridiculous effects. But it's I, I, I just want to recommend it. It's a very good game. So I even recommend it to my manager. If you have, you know, half an hour here and there on travel or you have, you know, an hour to get out the hotel before you go to a conference, it's, I, w- I would heavily recommend it. Very cool. And your work-related one? So the work-related one, I want to shout out to what the TypeScript team is doing right now. They're they're doing a fantastic work. The reason I want to shout out is because when I read the 2.8, TypeScript 2.8 release notes, they really blew my mind with when they added conditional types. It's 
the power of that thing is is impressive. It's it's I I was I couldn't believe they actually implemented something like this. It's extremely cool. I wouldn't be surprised if the answer if the actual use cases for it were you know one in a million. That might absolutely be the case. But in terms of of what they can do now, it's really impressive. And and what I really love about TypeScript is that sure I'm doing Angular right now, but if I were to jump on a React or Vue project, I'd still pick TypeScript any day uh, over anything else um, because it's a superscript of JavaScript. Of JavaScript, I I could absolutely see five, ten years from now JavaScript being TypeScript pretty much, and the browser is straight up implementing that. So shout out if you're doing React, Vue, Angular, whatever you prefer, just please add TypeScript to your project. It's so worth it, and they're doing a great job at maintaining it and adding constant features, uh, new features constantly. Awesome. All right, well, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. Um, the first one is, um, I mentioned this on the last episode of my English story. I am working on a course for, it's, it's mostly aimed at newish developers. So it's either people who are looking for their first development job or they're having trouble finding a development job. And typically, the people who are having trouble finding a development job are either in a market that isn't, you know, so they're not in New York or San Francisco, or, I mean, even here in Salt Lake or Austin or some of those places, you know, there's a healthy tech scene, and it's pretty easy to find a job near me. But I've talked to a number of people. Um, one of the people I put through this course earlier, he was in um, kind of a remote area of Hawaii. And so he was, you know, he was looking for a better job, better situation. And he was working remotely, but, uh, you know, he, he couldn't find something he could just drive to every day. Right. So those are usually the problems people have. And so I'm putting together this course to help people find jobs. And uh, yeah, so I have stuff in there about finding a remote job, and I have stuff in there about finding the first job. And some people also, you know, they go through like some boot camp, and then the boot camp has connections and helps them find a job. So when they're looking to get their next job, they don't. So anyway, there, there are all these different scenarios that are somewhat uh, treatable, I guess. And so uh, I'm putting together this course. I'm doing a pre-sale on it uh, through the end of September, and uh, or the end of August, sorry. And uh, the course will be available by later. So if you're looking for something like that, you can go sign up for the pre-sale. Um, you'll get stuff as I create it, which means that it may change as it goes. But at least you can get things rolling now with your job search. And uh, yeah, I would also just you know love any feedback or questions that you have as you're doing it. Um, but I've already put probably 10 or 15 people through this. I've coached a number of people to find jobs. So if, if this is your deal, then let me know. And then um, I'm also going to quickly shout out about um, Framework Summit. I'm going to be speaking there. And I really love uh, meeting up with people. So if you're going to be there, let me know. Um, and then lastly, yesterday, I was talking to my wife, and she was watching a program with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Uh, they had uh, Oscar Hammerstein III, and he was talking about some of the stories behind some of the Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. And anyway, so we were talking about it, and I was like, oh, well, I haven't seen that musical, and my wife was kind of raised on them, so <laughs> she had to introduce me to South Pacific, which is a pretty terrific musical. It was their first uh, musical together that they had done. And uh, anyway, fun show. So if you're interested at all in, uh, in musicals, um, I highly recommend you go check it out. Uh, South Pacific 
I think the movie was made in the early 50s. But, you know, and so the the filming isn't quite the high quality that you're thinking about with, like, Lord of the Rings and stuff that you see now. But anyway, I uh, really, really enjoyed the, the musical and uh, the music. So uh, go check out South Pacific. I just realized I have a last shout out. It's more of a core. I don't know if you know the, there was, there was recently a, a Twitter account called DM of Engineering who just posts about everyday life as an engineer from a D&D standpoint. Uh-huh. And it was hilarious. But suddenly around June, they stopped posting. I'm very disappointed at that. So shout out to them and please, please start posting again. I, I just loved every tweet that came out of that account. <laughs> yep. Very cool. Um, I have some fun ideas around something like that. So on the off chance that somebody knows who runs that account, help them get a hold of me too, because um, I might have some ideas that will make it uh, worth their while. All right. Well, uh, good. Thank you for coming and talking to us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I encourage you all to go check out uh, Clarity and uh, you know let them know what you think. I'm sure they're open to all kinds of feedback. All right, we'll catch everybody next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. 